Welcome back everyone, welcome back. This is Baller's Corner. Today you are with Tony, also known as Tony XVI on Twitter. Check that out. Check out our page as well at Baller's Corner without the E and Ballers. That's B-A-L-L-R-S Corner. Today I'm joined in the corners with uh, F and Jeff. That's yo, yo, yo. National tag team name. He's so, he's so proud of that one, by the way. I'm proud. That's your stable name, WWE stuff, F and Jeff. Oh, my God. F and Jeff and guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, cool, cool, cool. I'm doing that one too much. And now with the F on Twitter as well. Um, that's it. That's the one. Shut yourself up. But today we want to just gather around and basically talk about, take a little sidestep, I think, and just talk about the championship and also leagues below. Um, you guys as well probably have noticed the sheer talent coming out of this division. We want to talk, pay a little bit of homage, homage, and um, talk about how maybe this may be a new way to go for teams to start scouting new talent. Um, as you can see, some great, great, great prodigies have come out of there recently, such as Eze, who came from Millwall, and then obviously went to QPR and got his stardom from there. Michael Lise, former Chelsea Academy, went to Reading and blew up there. And even new names now, such as Harry Pickering of Blackburn as well as uh, Lewis Potter, I believe his name is, a whole city. So a bunch of talents going on there. What do you guys think? Um, instead of all these talented, uh, all these teams out here you know, going out and scouting footballers from different nations, should they start focusing a little bit at, you know, what's at home? Yeah, man. I think recently you've seen a lot of success from the championship. I mean, using the recent teams that have come up, for example, Ivan Tony. He had a great, I mean, he's been great in the championship, do you know what I mean? And he's come up and he's shown that he's a very complete striker. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, saw the goals and saw the statistics, maybe weren't able to watch him as closely because they don't keep an eye on the championship. But you're now seeing him link up and drop deep and kind of thread balls through for Embuemo. But they also playing the ball to his chest and, you know, he's shrugging off defenders. He's not as maybe as quick as, um, you know, other strikers, but he also isn't particularly slow. So, like, he's he's got a very well-rounded skill set and he's come up and translated well. And you've seen recent links to Arsenal and whatnot. That's just, like, one example of someone that's come into the Premier League. They've made already a very good name for themselves. Ollie Watkins, that's a Premier League player. Again, someone that came from um, Brentford, Jared Bowen, that's a West Ham regular. There's shouts for him to, you know, be part of the England World Cup squads. I mean, he's been sensational this season. And again, he came from the lower league. So I think there's a lot of talent in the lower leagues and it's the, the football is very translatable. Um, you know, we always speak about the physicality of the Prem and this and that. And I don't think there's a lot of leagues that kind of match match that physicality. I think League 1, France, the French League, um, does a good job of that, where it's, it's probably the most similar to the Premier League. But people always seem to forget 
the championship just because it's the tier below the Premier League doesn't mean the players can't come up and you know make a difference and um, you know thrive. The funny thing you mentioned Ivan Tony as well. Ivan Tony is one of those footballers that's had the, a similar pattern in terms of he was already, I believe he came from Northampton, right? And Newcastle found him early. Yeah, Newcastle as well. Yeah, he found himself in Newcastle in like 2014, 2015, and he went there and he made like three appearances. And if I'm honest with you, I really don't remember. I remember him playing for Newcastle, but I can't remember what he played like. Uh, when he got the opportunity, but um, someone at the club obviously recognised that he wasn't good enough because he wanted a bunch of loan spells. And all the loan spells, none of them really went well. It wasn't until he signed for Peterborough, which I think was like 200k or something like that. I think Newcastle made a loss. That's when he hit dynamite. Um, yeah. That's something that really interests me because players that get an early move that don't succeed always tend to bounce back later on. Do you know what I mean? So... I wonder what the dynamics of that is. I think we saw it before as well with Jay Rodriguez, I believe. Um, Jay Rodriguez as well, in terms of where he came from, because he was a Burnley Youth Academy player, and he broke through um, around the time, I believe, Burnley played that debut season in the Premier League. And I don't, I don't remember him actually doing anything. It wasn't until he went to Southampton in the lower divisions and then came back yeah. that he made his name for himself. So... I've always wondered what that is. What does the championship offer, or even League One, offer to footballers that obviously didn't thrive in the Premier League for them to come back? What, is it, what does that do? Is it experience? Is it, like you mentioned, physicality? Is it just learning the trade of the game? Why is it they need to go back sometimes to come up? I feel like they're afforded the sort of time and patience and there's a bit less pressure than um, there is at like the club's higher up, which are, you know, clubs fighting to stay in the division, you know, as a young player, it's going to be difficult for you to get games. The clubs fighting for maybe, you know, to push up from the mid-table section towards the European places. There's, again, pressure. Like, clubs are always fighting for something. No club, you know, starts a new season with, you know, oh, we're just going to chill around 10th place and we'll be okay. Like, these clubs are either fighting to stay up or fighting to, you know, make that jump. And I feel like it's just the patience that youngsters need sometimes to go down to learn the trade. You know, it's all English football at the end of the day. Um, The Premier League is obviously a bit less of like a long ball game, a hoof ball game than um, the lower divisions are. But even still, being used to that, being used to the way these tackles fly in, being used to... You know, and you've seen some teams now in the lower divisions, they've got managers that put the ball down on the floor and want to play football. So learning that and being able to come up with that, you know, it kind of does translate well um, into the Premier League. But I think personally for the players, it's all about confidence. You know, you see a young player with potential and we always say progression in football is not linear. You're not just going to be a young player with potential and thrive in the academy, then make a few first-team appearances the next season, you're going to, you know, have your breakout season and become a first-team regular. Like, it doesn't work like that for everyone. Some players need a reset. They need a kick up the backside. They need a different environment. They need a manager with who's going to put his arm around them. Like, they need all sorts of different things in, in order to actually become the player that, you know, they have within themselves, In it? So, yeah, I feel like there's, there's a bunch of, different reasons that go from player to player. But this, again, speaks to the fact that we always say progression in football is not linear. Yeah, I want to touch on that as well. Um, lovely use of um, 
our slogan there as well, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's not even more so. I think like it's a, a pressure thing to play in the Premier League. I think it's more so like closer to the side of the of what you said about it being that you're affording more time. I think, I think it's more so more pressure in the Premier League in terms of how the clubs operate higher up. Where it's like, okay, cool. If a player's not playing well, oh well, I'm in a hurry to get this team really going. So I'm gonna do this. Whereas like in other leagues, I kind of see more patience, like you said, where a manager's puts more faith in in players. Like I think in young players in general. I think it's more so maybe now that we're seeing more young players um come out a bit more in, in the in the in the Premier League now. But in other leagues it's, it's more it's more so like a given where it's like, okay, even in other leagues, let's say for example in the in Liga it's a it's a, a understood thing where it's like at the end of the season, the last couple of games, youth players are like up are, are, are given starts. Like it's just like it's just a tradition. It's just a normal tradition. But here's it's just not a thing like that. Um, and this is regardless of if they're still fighting for relegation or this is like, like they're like young players are expected to start um, towards the end of the season. But yeah, I definitely think it's. I feel like there's more of a um, a rush nature at the top of the hierarchy in Premier League clubs. Um, maybe that's something that translates all the way down to the coach and and that the chopping and changing nature um, within teams. That's maybe why, but it's definitely something that um, doesn't benefit players, and we can see it benefits players when they go to other leagues and it's like, okay, we have that different environment, um, just a different club. Maybe there's just less pressure to, or maybe in their heads, it's a pressure of that. Okay. Yeah. I'm in the Premier league. Um, I'm being watched by the whole world. Maybe that's, maybe it's that as well. I don't know. No, I think that's a, that's a really interesting point. Um, I do kind of get where F's coming from in terms of, you know, this players are playing well. We, we have things to do. We can't just keep them on the wage bill. We need to move them on. But I was talking. I wasn't talking about the pressure on the player in like playing the Premier League. It's more the team. Um, and you know, it's very rare that a manager is just going to blood in uh, a young academy player into you know these games against grown men. That's where I think we we had an um, episode on like youth versus experience these guys will normally go for experience it's very difficult for you to show that you know there's a player in you and you can play at this level until maybe you've gone for a loan or until you've um you know just had some time away or unless you're like just the best talent on the training field every single day you know it is difficult for you to showcase this because yeah, I mean, you can talk about being good in training all the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great when you're coming up against Raheem Sterling and players like this, you know, um, you know, the, the, at the top end of the league. One thing I also want to touch on is the fact that, like, um, you've got to give credit where credit's due, right? Um, and sometimes in terms of growing up the leagues, I understand why the lower system is probably benefit and beneficial for these footballers. I also want to quickly talk about the under-23 uh, football. We've had some special guests on here that obviously played for the roof ranks, and they've all said one thing unusual that maybe not on camera uh, or on recording, but they've always told us behind the scenes that a low move is much, much better than staying and playing for U23s. This is what the Johnston Pate Trophy is, is trying to introduce uh, by getting these boys to play with men, learn their training a little bit, and therefore try to you know figure out which one which ones, you know, seem like the elite from, from the adequate. 
basically. Yeah, I think that's another really good route um, for these young players because, again, you know, you can be at the pinnacle of academy football. You've seen it with, like, the Chelsea um, youth players. You've seen it with the Manchester City, Arsenal as well. All got great academies, but how does that translate against people who, you know, are playing this to put food on the table for their families and, you know, it might be a part-time job to them. It might be something they have to consider whether, whether they can make it like a full career, like just kind of grown men. You see um, people talk about it on podcasts all the time. Now you're getting up against people that are fighting for their lives. Every tackle it they put in is like their last. So they're not going to just, you know, sit and admire your pretty boy academy football. So it's, it is really, I think, useful because it shows these players what they're going to be in for you know you're going to get this league one league two you're going to get this in the championship Mm. it's not going to be easy for you um and it also allows you to assess your talent you know you see a few of these clubs do pretty well in um such competitions and then you're able to assess that okay you know these players can go and loan maybe a level higher than these teams we're facing or no these lads aren't good enough they they aren't you know, currently physically there or technically there, mentally there. And you can use it to assess, you know, their level and then sort out loan moves for them. Some may have to get, you know, released, which is the unfortunate cycle of football. But it does allow you to, like, assess these young players and it kind of brings a sense of realism to it. I feel like academy football is a little bit of a a bubble where, you know, everyone kind of plays nice and everyone's got technical ability everyone's you know calling for the ball scanning for the ball and stuff like that but you know when you're up against these grown men that don't care that you're Chelsea's next best prospect they don't care that you're the best thing in Leicester's academy they don't care that West Brom want to have this 10-year plan for you where you're going to eventually be the captain they don't care in it so yeah I feel like it's it's helpful so you have to, the reason why I mentioned Michael Lisa before is because he was part of the Chelsea Academy. I know some parts, there's some fans out there that do feel a bit hard done by that he was allowed to go and now flourish. And now you've got some fans that want to come back. Now you mentioned that the U23 and the Justin Pate Trophy is a good opportunity for those guys to get a real taste of actual football, not that pretty lardy lardy stuff that you get in the academies, right? Yeah. How would you guys feel if the UK adopted a similar approach to the Spanish League in terms of academies having beat news? In the in the uh, football leagues, so for example, Chelsea B uh, could uh, comp- could compete in the Vanuatu National League, and they can be earned promotions up until League One. You can't come into the Championship up until League One. Do you think this would be beneficial for players to, for Chelsea to identify better players quicker, such uh, as the likes of Michael Lise, to prevent them from you know going to Reading and actually being fast tracked into the first team, or would you per- prefer Michael Lise's route at the moment? Where he did leave Chelsea to go to Reading to make a name for himself. What do you think would be more beneficial moving forward, and which side of it do you actually prefer? I think it would it would be unfair for. I, I think it would be unfair on the other clubs um, in the in those other surrounding leagues if that was something that was adopted. Only because um, I remember when this was like I I can't remember when I first found out about it, or I think it was Spain that like, when they um, I think it was Spain implemented a similar um, system. But basically, I remember like some of the pros and cons coming out and journalism 
uh, journalists talking about um, if it should be something employed here. And it's like, it's it kind of makes the whole system um, based around like the top, um, the top leagues and the top clubs. And it's like, there are other leagues um, and clubs there that are doing their thing and other leagues there. And, and just because we don't watch them like that, um, it doesn't mean um, everything should kind of be catered to, okay, cool, let's find the best players. This, this is better for us. But there is also a perspective where um, I think, I can't remember if it was um, Spain that did it or Germany that did it first, but whoever country did it first was basically like, um, well, we're overhauling the whole of the FA. Um, we need better players to come through for our national team. So in order for that to happen, we're implementing this league so that um, we can identify like, the players that can really go on and actually play for the national team and just make the national team better in general. If it's an approach like that, I can definitely hear it. But um, at a time where lo- loads of English players are coming through, and I, I don't know whether that's a direct um, correlation to like St George's Park being built over what I don't know if it was ten years ago now or, or more. Um, but if it's solely for the betterment, uh, like or, or like the the better recruitment of um, like the the Chelsea's, the United's, Liverpool's, um, then yeah, it kind of sounds unfair for the rest of the league. But I, I, I would see where any other fan would be like, or of the of a Premier League, so Premier League team would be like, yeah, well, like, we'd love that to happen because we've seen so many fall through the cracks. Um, I think it it kind of works both ways. I do see the vision in getting these young boys to, um, you know, play at that level and become accustomed to men's football and the nitty gritty because I feel like you know when you see young players talk about you know loans and stuff like that they always talk about the physicality they always seem quite assured that technically did the level above you always see someone say ah you know I wanted to play football but the manager wanted us to hoof it long and I was trying to play out from the back and stuff like that so I feel like they yeah, they're always okay technically, but kind of on the physical side and understanding, I guess, different philosophies and, um, you know, the aspect of survival. With academy football, is I don't really think you think about survival like that. It's more about development. But these other teams, you know, lower down, thinking about survival. But um, in the case of Elise, it's, it is interesting. I mean, there's, you know, there's countless players who have left a top academy and move down a level, even if it's not to the championship, but they've, you know, moved down a level and they've managed to thrive. And again, it's like the competition for places is just like cutthroat. You might be a player of like maybe a small stature. So, you know, you're not, you don't, you haven't really had a growth spurt yet. And that's it for your career at that club. They might say, you know what, not good enough or we don't expect you to grow we don't expect you to be able to cope with the physical demands of the Premier League and stuff like that you see that all the time I mean we speak about Angel Gomez so often just based off talent he's one of the best I I don't think that's disputed but clearly it's not a question of talent because of his stature and whatnot you know, clubs will pass up on him and think, ah, oh, he, he, he won't be able to cope. He's not going to, like, he's going to struggle. And, yeah, it is 
quite unfortunate. But I do feel like going to the championship um, will will help players and the and the leagues below. But sometimes it just has to be via alone. I don't think you know, kind of interrupting a whole league with three or four or five other like Premier League academy teams is, um, you know, I don't think they'll they'll be happy with that. On one hand, it might help them raise their level and it might help them see, okay, this is what we're striving to get to, but it's also just disrupting the flow because they, I mean, I'm assuming all of these teams um, towards the bottom are eventually striving to get to the Premier League. That should be everyone's goal. Whereas, you know, with these academies, you can't even get there. So I would see why um, F would disagree. And I think I also kind of um, disagree with, you know, kind of adding them to a league. But if you think a youngster's ready, if you think a youngster's good enough, you offer him out because there's going to be lower league clubs that will snap up the opportunity to take this youngster. And then you kind of see how they develop from there, really. The reason why I brought it up, and I'm happy you mentioned Angel as well. Angel, somebody that unfortunately we're massive fans of him here, but he's somebody that left Man United too late. If I, if I'm honest with you, um, he broke out as a 16 year old, the first 2000s footballer to, to play in the Premier League. High potential. We've seen him in the academy, like I said. I know we just call it Lardy Dardy football, <laughs> but you know he did his thing there, and he 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 created a nice buzz for himself. Now, if it was a situation where Manchester United had an academy team that was playing, for example, League One, for example, um, and he was actually getting f- like full-time match experience playing against the, type, the, the types of like, who's in League One? Shrewsbury. And, and uh, I know they've just gone up, but Rotherham and stuff like that. He, would his development have been better than it is now? Because instead of that, he got under-23s football, um, didn't really play for the first team, missed out on two years of key development, left Man United at 19, three years, sorry, of key development, left Man United at 19, went to Boa Vista and finally got a taste of football. That is two, three years of wasted potential that could have been, uh, you know, exerted against real men, like you said, fighting for mortgages, fighting for their next move, fighting for the next contract, um, and then which made, would have made him mature quicker and maybe, you know, come to Manchester United's attention quicker as well. Same with Chelsea's academy. You could have seen the likes of Dujon Sterling or um, Levi Cowell, who's doing well. Where is he now? Huddersfield, right? Doing, yeah, Huddersfield. Yeah. Yeah, great there. Exactly. And that, that wouldn't have happened if he didn't go out alone this season. You could have seen that for himself against these League 1, League 2 footballers. And, you know, you would have made a claim for himself. And you'd be like, you know what, let's try and give this guy a t- chance. What I'm trying to say is, Whilst I understand the aspect of it being unfair to, you know, all the other teams that are rightfully deserve to be in those divisions, it also creates an atmosphere of survival of the fittest. May help the bigger teams um, in terms of, you know, they get to understand and find out which talent actually have the most potential from earlier on. But it also helps the homegrown quarter status in terms of the England national team. Because if you see, for example, like I said, Levi Colwell, um, playing very, very well in League One against grown men at the age of 18, but Chelsea don't have a position for him in the starting lineup. Then you've got teams like Quicker Palace that could have come in and showed interest before. Instead of waiting for those footballers to go out on loan and excelling, you could have a situation uh, with, for example, um, there's one footballer that I really, really liked at my United's Academy, his name was DJ Bufonge, right? That was somebody that just wasn't given a chance. Oh, he was a big player, man. He missed that opportunity to go out on loan, right? 
and he didn't excel for himself. Largely Ramazani as well. He's never a footballer at Man United that missed the opportunity to excel. He's at Almeria now and like he's doing really great for himself. I'm happy for him. In fact, he might even be at Dijon. He's in Spain somewhere. Let me double check that quickly. <laughs> um, but these are footballers that are currently missing out. Um, yeah, Almeria, see, I was right here. That are currently missing out on, on, on where they should have been because they didn't get that opportunity at loan deal. But if these footballers were playing at a lower level, they would have been ex- spotted earlier and could have been Premier League footballers today, as well as meeting the quota for English football and, you know, explain to the first team. We're very happy for other footballers that have made their names themselves in the Championship that have come up to the Premier League and now flirt with the England national team, i.e. Jared Bowen. But um, I believe this particular concept would have created the survival of the fittest where these League One clubs and League, League Two clubs cannot be embarrassed by 18 and 19-year-olds. They have to prove that they're better than 18 and 19-year-olds and therefore it creates a consensus of the best whilst also keeping an eye out for which young talent is going to be out there in the future. But um, that's just my thoughts anyway. I find that something like very interesting how that doesn't work out in the UK because you've seen it, it's been experimented in, the, in, in Spain and you've seen it with Barcelona B. Barcelona B aren't the best team in the second division. They're not, by far. In fact, they come up and they get relegated. So the second, second position, second league of men, sorry, in the Spain national team are clearly full of great footballers. We also see those Barcelona B footballers who play against the men in the second division, and those that do excel take a chance to step up into the national, into the first team, and make a claim for themselves. So it's very good for squad retention, and it's very good for you know national quota and actually improving, getting getting these footballers the experience they need, improving their mentality because they have to you know they have to mature quicker. Like like you said, people are diving into challenges and stuff like that. You have to go yeah. up. But um, it'd be very. Yeah, like, it, is, it is a good alternative. It is a really, really good alternative to under twenty three football because, as of right now, like you said, it's just under twenty three football. I feel like it's just, um, literally just an abyss of like, um, or like a, a black hole of just people who are really in between, like being really good enough, or maybe they're just not good enough for men's football. Or and, and it's it's football. kind of sad as well. Sorry to interrupt you because the best of a particular year group, right? This is what I mean about academy football. Your academy yeah, is good as the year group in it. So the best talent in that particular year group may not even be of the quality to play for the first team of the club. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if you then put that into the league, say if your team, this is what I mean by Barcelona B aren't always get relegated because they have one really good year group that gets them promoted to the second division. The next year group comes they're not quite good enough and they go straight back down. So this is another thing. Even those players that do go back down know what it takes to go back up. So they may not be good enough for Barcelona's first team. They'll be good enough for a team floating around the second division or the third division. And that's why I think, sorry, I have to, to interrupt you again. This is a good parameter because, like I said, you'll find out quicker who's cut out. Whereas academy football, you're kind of, mm, is he good? Because the other team, half of those guys that you're playing under-23s will won't be footballers by the end of the under-23s. They've been released playing a goal, do another thing. So, yeah, I think it separates the weak from the from the strong. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's uh, it's a it's an interesting one. I feel like because of that as well, that's maybe why we're seeing more, or we'll probably see more of as well the exodus that we saw with Cobham um, last summer. We saw Livermore leave, we saw um, Gerhi leave, but all these all these players that could have maybe played bit part roles in the first team, where they were like, well, no, I'm good enough to go play um, in, in the first team. 
and they moved and, and they're doing they're doing really, but credits to both of them they're two examples of people that are, are doing really well um but yeah I, I do think other clubs as well especially uh, Arsenal um and other other clubs that have a few um talents that are put, trying to really push for the first team that will see a lot more talent leave especially if, if they do know okay cool I'm the best um in my year group right now there's not really a, a route for me in the first team why don't I why don't I push myself for a loan at Worst comes to worst, the, the loan goes bad. You come back, you go on another one. I, it's 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 kind of I think it's it's working itself out to be more of a uh, a safe option than just staying at the club. Because really and truly, staying at the club means means what? Like you may make your debut. Yeah, that's a proud moment. Of course, that's nothing to be scoffed at. Um, nothing to be scoffed at at all. But like, why not go out and 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 try yourself a, 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 a loan? Whether it's at uh, a team in the Premier League it's a, it's a team um, in the lower division but um, yeah like even people like Cole will show them that it's definitely something that um, is, is a viable option Whilst loans obviously are a great tool to get footballers to get the experience I kind of think they're losing their touch personally um, I think a lot more loans go wrong than go right like you said you saw with Ivan Tony, right he was at Newcastle he went out on loan a couple of times and I think he went on loan to Barnsley twice. He played 12 games and scored once. Already his stock's down the drain, man. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then he's got to go to, he's got to do four or five more loans, then finally get out of the, the shackles of Newcastle to go to Peterborough and actually build his career. By this point, he's 25. He's so many years are wasted. Whereas Ivan Tony went to Newcastle's B team, and Newcastle's B team are, are playing in League Two, for example, because they're pretty good. Um, and he makes his name for himself in Newcastle's B team and scores 40 goals in 46 games. He's got himself a, a, a championship move, a couple million pounds to Bristol. And if you know his career's producing and going on from there. But, you know, that's just a theory for myself. I think we should actually try reformat the leagues and, you know, do something like that. Because if England are really looking to be a powerhouse, of course, coaching has to improve, in my personal opinion. But I think the, we need to also have a dilemma of footballers. Um, like you mentioned as well, Timo Livermento, he was kind of, a, unless to Chelsea fans anyway, Chelsea faithful, it was kind of a nobly last season. So that was one hell of a scout mission from the scout, Southampton scouts to find him, say that he's ready enough for the first team and then for him to excel. Whereas that could have been common knowledge if he was playing for Chelsea's B team. Um, either way, the reason why I mention this is because, of course, we're seeing now that the championship is producing more quality footballers that are clearly Premier League level. Like I mentioned yeah. before, Jared Bowen has come from there. He's doing really, really well. Um, Jack Grealish, is, even though he was actually a Premier League footballer at the time when he broke through, he went down to the championship, made a name for himself. We saw Mason Mount after you know a season at the Test where he did really well, go to Derby and basically take take it by storm. Also, also other players that gone from the championship come up to the Premier League. I know they've been relegated, but they've done really well for himself. The Bournemouth fella that had cancer, though, he's just he's just um, he's just recovered. David Brooks. David Brooks. Yeah, that's another footballer. That I think did really well when they came up. So we Todd Cantwell, apart from this season, not too sure what's happened. Max Aaron's, Ben Godfrey. There's obviously a clear cut mm-hmm. good. There's a good. There's 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 good players that they, the the quality of the championship in terms of young football is improving. So something's going right, right? Hence why you know I'm on this whole let's start a B team. The maximum they can come up to is League One, and let's actually start crazy, start causing dilemmas. And forcing scouts to look within the league to sign and come back up so that the England consensus in the, the, the England national team, under 23s, sorry, under 21s, under 18s, uh, first men's team, it's a real headache to pick who um, that'll be beneficial for us in the long term. 
But you know what? Now we're talking about the footballers, guys. Um, who's actually caught your eye from the championship recently? I want to speak about Mitrovic because there's this, um, <laughs> there's this thing hovering over his head where it's basically like he's, you know, a flat track bully. When he goes to the championship, he's the man. And then when he comes back um, to the Premier League, he's not able to perform as such. And I feel like it's it's such a weird take because people don't seem to realise the the team he's playing for. You know, once Fulham go down, they're probably the best team in the championship all the time. When they come back up, they're probably the worst team in the Premier League. Like, I don't know if people are expecting him to score 20, 30, 40 goals when he comes to the Premier League. Like, do, do they realise that Fulham won't be creating as many chances as they do in the Championship? Do they realise Fulham won't have the ball as much in the Championship? Do they realise that when in the Championship, Fulham's players are superior? When in the Premier League, Fulham's players are nearly always inferior? Like, it's it's a very interesting um, sort of dialogue around his name. And I feel like it's really unfair because... When he's in the championship, he does what he needs to do. Like you can't ask for more. When he's in the Premier League, it's difficult for him. Like, who wouldn't it be difficult for? Even if you know you're expecting him to score a certain amount of goals, he can't just you know pick the ball up and run into the net. The players around him also need to be on the ball. Tom Kearney, we saw. You know, when he came... sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Jeff. I think about Mitrovic, and I'm happy that, you know, you know what, 42 league goals, I think? 43, I think. Oh, that's flipping incredible. 43 and 44 I, I think he's finally playing to the level that's suspected of him. Because we need to remember, Mitrovic was a Champions League footballer at Anderlecht. You know that? <laughs> this guy scored a double against Arsenal in 2014, right? So, like, he went to Newcastle because Newcastle were fighting to be Europa League, an Europa League team at the time. He, he didn't do well. He left went to Fulham, didn't do well, went to the Championship, scored 20 goals, came back to the Premier League, didn't do anything, went back down, scored 43. So whilst the record is simply the same, I think it will hold for years to come, um, Mitrovic is not someone I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start praising too much because he shouldn't be playing at a high level in this. That's just what I put in my two pence. Sorry. Um, shout out to Corral because um, he's not here, but we were talking about this just um, before we started podding. Um, but he was like, listen, if he used the example that just using like, well, cool. let's say Fulham are the Liverpool or Man City or whatever of uh, the championship, they're going to create chances. But for, regardless of if they create, they're going to create chances, for someone to score this amount of goals, it proves that this person's a bad one. This person is a clinical striker. So this whole tag that's around him where it's like, oh, he uh, like he's a, he just bullies the championship, and but he's like an in between player. Like he's like in the Premier League, Premier League's not really that. It kind of it's 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 kind of invalid because especially speaking about last year anyway, he didn't really start as many anywhere near as many games as when he first came and he didn't do well. Um, didn't do too well. And even that first time he came, I'm pretty sure he scored close to ten goals. He scored like ten goals. Yeah, I think it was close to 10, 11 goals anyway. But anyway. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, come for me if eleven. I'm... It was eleven. Oh, see, yeah, which is which is very decent. Like, this is that's that's I think even someone like Morpay, that's maybe close to one of some of his highest um returns. But you don't hear 
like you don't you don't hear people talking about that enough. The second time they came back up, um, so last season when they got relegated, he never started that many games like that. They really heavily invested. Um and like he just wasn't the focal point of the attack like he was in the championship. I feel like they changed, and this is a problem with um it's maybe it will be a good episode to do as well, right? But talking about how championship teams would um should uh, adapt. Because I, f- I feel like their approach was let's spend the money, let's spend the big bucks. And they invest, invest, invest. And I, it wasn't really until two, three months in that we started seeing, okay, cool, this is their starting 11 that they're ch- deciding upon. Because they're still bringing in players on deadline day that should probably be starting for them. And it's like, well, this player's already like, played the whole of preseason. He looks like he's going to be our, our right back for whatever. For whatever. And then you see Olayana come in, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think... Hopefully this time around we see him um, like the whole team focalise around him a bit more and he can show what he's uh, show what he's made of, man. If who's 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 uh, caught your eye in the championship this season? Um, I really like Jed Spence. <laughs> I've spoken about him a lot on the account. People have um, uh, probably if if you, if you follow our Twitter account, uh, Borders Corner. Um, you will see that I've spoken a lot about Jeff Spence. He really impressed me uh, in the FA Cup. Um, I think uh, Forest won against Arsenal. And he, I, I was like, wow. Because I, I really, I've always said um, the people that will like, stand out to me is always midfielders and defenders. Because that's, that's, that's just where I play. So I can see, okay, what um, makes a good, a good defender. And the way he bossed that entire flank, I can't remember who was starting for um, Arsenal on that side, but he bossed the entire flank and it was just like they weren't there. Um, I think for a lot of top teams, they're looking at him as well, especially because he's um, actually a Middlesbrough player. Um, but they have uh, Isaiah, so it's like they don't really need him like that because he's probably one of the... If if, if Jez Spence isn't, he's probably the best right, right back in the league. So, um, yeah. I think he kind of made a name for himself against the Arsenal game. Against Arsenal in the FA Cup when he absolutely bullied Tavares. Yeah, but like Tavares got subbed off after thirty-five minutes. Yeah, uh, he was. Oh, he had a terrible game that game. Oh, uh, yeah. Ed Spence had him on ropes. It was unbelievable. I've been like it in my life. Um, in fact, Norton, not in Forest. I've got some good footballers there. Unfortunately, two of them are on loan in 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 the sense of James Garner, Jed Spence. And then they've also got the um, the Welsh. Brennan John- is that Brennan Johnson? Brennan Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the other one that's um. Uh, nowhere. Got thirty-five goal and assists in what is. Basically, his first—I know he played a couple of games last season, but his first full season—they're um, in the playoffs, aren't they? What do you think? Reckon? Reckon they'll, they'll come up? Yeah, I, I want them to. Um, whether they can do it is a different question. I, I feel like the playoffs is really a, a lottery. Um, you can just be on the on the on the, on their day, um, a team can just really do well. And I feel like a, a lot, over the years we've seen a lot of favourites just fall out um, to like just. Like random one nil losses or like penalty. Like it's just it's yeah. Playoffs is it's, it's going to be a really interesting spectacle. I'd love to see um Forest up in the Premier League, um see a, a different team because I feel like every year it's kind of the same thing as oh you get your Norwiches if they're well this year they're going down so it's not them but like you get your Norwiches your Fulham's, um Swansea's. It's just like uh, let's let's get someone new. So I was really happy to see Brentford, um come up when they did even though I, I really felt like they should have come up the year before, um. Speaking of them, actually, um, I wanted to speak about some of the championship players that haven't done so well because I know Anthony Knockhart had an amazing season uh, in the championship before he came up. 
I don't know. I don't even know where he is now. Um, so this is not to say that the championship is like a foolproof league anyway. Obviously, there's always going to be anomalies. Um, of course, yeah. Ben Rama, he's kind of found his feet a little bit more this season, but even last season when he came up, like, he's, yeah. And I, that's actually someone I wanted um, to move to Chelsea as well. But yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting, man. Yeah, I mean, this season he's, he's done. He's done all right. He's, he's done. He's done well. Um, but yeah, not in the forest up. I'd love them to, to come up, not to deviate. Uh, Bridget, the footballer that I've had my eyes on this season is a little bit contemporary, though. Um, a little bit different to what you said. I know Jed Spence is the hot topic. Uh, Jeff, I won't lie to you, I'm a little bit underwhelmed with Mitrovic. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I just really think the. Is Mitrovic the player actually to watch, or, or you just, did you, want, did you just mention him like. For, someone that's caught your eye, really. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a young footballer. Of course, it, it could be anyone. Well, that, if, no, no, no it might actually be his answer. Come on. No, no, I, mean, I, I understand why he said it. I mean, forty-three goals <laughs> in forty-six games is something. <laughs> No, he's not my favourite player or anything like that. I just wanted to start a dialogue about him because I feel like what what we hear about him is really, um, you know, unfair. But if we're talking about players that have caught my eye, then obviously you, you don't have to go further than Fabio Carvalho. I mean, we've, oh, we've, heard, we've heard a lot about him. A great talent seems to be joining um, Liverpool pretty soon. But, you know, that's an example of someone that it seems like Wherever you put him, whatever league you put him, he's going to ball, he's going to shine, he's going to be, you know, that beacon of light in, in his team. Um, I've also been really impressed with um, Dominic Solanke. I know I was waiting that's, for someone to mention him. Yeah, that's, you know, we kind of mentioned players going back down, having to find form, confidence, whatever. And he's literally a perfect example. He's now... You know, the main man for Bournemouth, it didn't work out for him at Chelsea because, you know, he wanted games. He decided to go to Liverpool, which I don't think was the best move if he wanted games. And, you know, went down to Bournemouth. It took him a few seasons to get going, but he's doing really well. Um, you know, some of, and he's someone from Chelsea Academy. Another person from Chelsea Academy, John Swift. Now he's someone that oh, he's done well as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's done really well, but he's done well. you know, you, you say here his well. name. They're in the turmoil, Redden in, a Redden, a in, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's out of contract as well, so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Like he had to take that step down, you know. He had a few loans at Chelsea, and then he went to Redden, and now he's in the middle of the park. You know, got double figures in goals and assists, and he's looking like a really really good player. I like Harry Wilson as well. I know he's, you know, already had a few stints in the championship with Derby and whatnot um, under Lampards. But, you know, again, he's looking really good for Fulham. But yeah, my whole Mitrovic shout, I like Spence F. That was a, that was a really good one. We know you, you love him. But yeah, my whole Mitrovic thing was, I just feel like it's unfair like the dialogue about him. Because if you put him in a better team, you know, He's surely gonna thrive. Ivan Tony has got what twelve goals, five assists this season. Mitrovic in his um, first Premier League season for Newcastle got nine goals. His Premier League season for um, Fulham got eleven goals. So it's like he's not far off. Maybe he's, he hasn't got the all-round game that Tony does. And that's you know not everyone can drop deep and link play and whatnot. But I think just in terms of goals. 
if you look at the team he's in, he's kind of giving you around about what you'd expect. Timo Puki as well. I mean, I remember everyone was talking about him when Norwich came up. He got 11 goals this season. He's got 10 goals. That is, I don't think anything above, I think like players should be aiming, the striker in a team like that should be aiming for like 10, 11, 12, because it's very difficult for you to get more. You're not going to be on the ball. You're not going to be creating like that. So I just wanted to start the, you know, Mitrovic discourse and um, kind of get people off his back a bit. I do think like it's it's unfair. I'm not sure what else he's expected to do when he's playing in an inferior team. If you threw him in Southampton in place of Che Adams, you might see more production from him. Do you know what I mean? If you threw him in Burnley in place of Weghorst um, or something, you might see more production. But I mean, it is difficult to produce for a team that is always the worst in the league. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that's it from the players I've been impressed with. Again, you shout out Levi Colwell, and he's done a fantastic job. You know, everyone you see talk about him is just like he's a Rolls-Royce defender, and he's getting these comparisons with Rio Ferdinand and this player and that player, and he's looked really good so it'll be interesting to see if he can show us firsthand the step up between you know him being an academy player in the Premier League having his first season of men's football in the championship and then translating that and bringing that back into the Premier League yeah I just hope Fabio Carvalho chooses to play for England I think that'd be kind of cool to have a kind of like a Exotic, but Jerry Rodriguez with his England debut, you had that Rodriguez in the back of the England top. You know, you can have Carvalho at the back of the England top. I just kind yeah. of, I see stupid stuff like that. But just before, because I was really interrupted. <laughs> nah, I'm missing. You guys ready for my footballer? The one that's caught my eye out. Um, in fact, I already spoke about him. I kind of name dropped him already. Um, his name is Keen Lewis Potter. Um, he's playing Paul C at the moment. Uh, he kind of replaced, um, he kind of did, but he didn't replace um, uh, Bowen um, on that yeah. played on the right hand side Potter's better on the left and he's another footballer that I really 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 need to pay attention to very soon because unless he gets a move this summer his contract's running out in 2023 um, he is going to take the championship by storm next season should Hull not absolutely capitulate from somewhat what they've built this season um, Hull in my opinion were probably one of the favourites to go down but in fact, they've done all right. They've been, they've steered themselves quite away from relegation. I think they finished. Yeah, they've done well. Yeah, I think they finished like nine or ten points away from from Reading, who were in serious trouble. Reading would have went down if Derby didn't get their points deduction. So <laughs> they did very well to stay out of trouble. And Lewis, especially, um, little boy from Kingston Hull, you know, he's taking that, taking that, he's carrying that team. Him supplying for Eves up front and the other footballer that. Is where the adventure from Hull is Alfie Jones. I think that's probably, that's probably about three of them. And that's it. The rest of the team really aren't really notable figures. No disrespect to all of them. But Potter's got 13 goals and four assists this season uh, for a player that's playing for a team that should be in a relegation battle to get those numbers. You know he's an absolute special talent. So um, he finally got England on 21 call up as well. So that's good for him. And um, hopefully he becomes a mainstay in that team. 
type of footballer that he is. He does remind he's lazy, and I'm sorry, but he really does remind me of Jack Grealish. Um, he's someone that is very technical, very good dribbler. On, with a, no, you know what? He's like a little blend of uh, Brooks as well. If it might make sense. Very technical, very astute dribbler, very uh, small pockets, quick one-two interchanges. Um, I'd say he's a bit more direct. Uh, maybe that's because of the position that he's playing for Jose, but he's probably more direct than he's a natural creator. So forget the greedish thing. He's probably more like Brooks than he is. Um, but yeah, off, on that left, you can play on the left, you can play on the right. I think he's better on the left, but um, he's someone that's very good at getting in behind or, you know, creating a, getting on the left, quick little turn or something when he gets the ball, just to spin out of trouble, give himself a couple of yards before trying to spot a gap and testing the goalkeeper. Um, hopefully he continues his progression and we see him in the Premier League very, very soon. And he, he joins his Yorkshire boy in Bowen. Uh, in the England national team soon. How good that would be for whole city to have two England internationals playing for the national team, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's one player I say we look out. I've missed out one player actually because um, I've been speaking about him recently. He's a young gem that's playing for Derby County. Um, I might butcher his name, so sorry to any of the listeners if you can please correct me. Malcolm Ebiowe. He's, oh yeah, yeah. He's been. You were talking fantastic. about the other day in the chat, weren't you? Yeah, we were. He's been fantastic for Derby. It's like you know, a breath of fresh air for them. Um, playing on the right wing, he's he's left footed. He's so so direct, so cheeky. He'll beat a man, beat him again. But he's also see, like he seems to have pretty good decision making for his age. Um, a lot of players, you know, if you know they can, if they know they can beat a man. That's all they're going to do. They're just going to continue running at them and running at them and facing these doubles and losing the ball and whatnot. But he seems to, you know, pick the moments very well, like when to pass, when to hold its width, when to cut inside. Um, so I do feel like he he is going to be making a move up soon. You know, there's already been links to bigger clubs. And again, this is someone that was released from Arsenal. Like he was in the Arsenal Academy um, and, you know, for one reason or another, didn't work out. He went to Rangers. He was in the youth academy, and then he moved to Derby County, and now he's playing professional football. And even though Derby are going down, I feel like there is money to be made with him. If they want to keep him, he's going to take um, League One by storm. And if they let go of him, they're going to get money, which will enable them to reinvest elsewhere. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Wait, did someone mention Harry Wilson, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned him briefly. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, he's done actually really well as well. Another footballer that... I've, I've always liked him, man. Sorry, yeah. Another footballer that should get another credit, and it's actually quite scary in terms of what... Because I've seen some clips. And in fact, I watched... I don't know why I watched it. Mm. It was only the last 15 minutes. I think it was on it was on Sky Sports at the time, and I was just bored. But Portsmouth were playing. I can't remember for the life of me who he was playing. And this is when I first came across him. His name is Bazunu, Irish goalkeeper on loan from Man City. Was it Gavin? Gavin Bazunu? Gavin Bazunu, yeah. And um, yeah. he pulled off one incredible save. It was weird. Like um, you probably find it somewhere on Twitter highlights, but the ball came in from a from a cross, and the right back at the far post has missed it. Like he's completely like miss hit it, and it's come off his leg. And the left wing has picked it up. He's dropped the shoulder to come inside, and he's took a shot. And it's deflected off a footballer, but obviously they're trying to block it. His reaction 
to, to stop his body from going one way, to go back the other way and pam it out, like push it out. And so, you know, footballers, goalkeepers like to push it out back in front of them, right? He pushed it out to his right, out of danger. It was probably just to, just to how quick is the deflection? Half a second to completely readjust his body, get down, save it and push it out of danger. I said, whoa, who's this guy? Quick Google search, Gavin Bazzuni on loan from Man City. Quick highlight reel, had a look at some of his saves. Yeah, he might be the real deal. And then obviously just keeping track uh, and seeing other clips here and there, a couple minute clips of how the way the way he commands his box, the way that he actually is a decent, probably he needs, he's young, he needs some work on it, but decent um, distributor as well. This is somebody that you may not make it at City due to just the, the absolute riches that City have, but um, could be a Premier League goalkeeper in no time as well. So. And he's already got, I think he already got um, a call up for the Ireland national team whilst playing in League One. So, pretty much. That's, that's, that's really a big achievement. Wow. He is. So, that's another football I want to give out there. But um, yeah, it's the Championship is a much, and even League One and League Two, much different divisions um, they were than they were 10 years ago. You know? Do you think, think I'm some, sorry to, uh, to uh, interrupt, do you think the impact of COVID is maybe. Um, impact uh, influence that because I, I do know that um, for some of my um, friends that have been playing around that national league level ever um, that whilst COVID was happening um, and in the aftermath of it as well a lot of clubs because uh, obviously well, I think it was well televised that um, the clubs beneath the Premier League were really struggling or beneath the Championship I'd say as well were really struggling in terms of money um, because a lot of their income was from um, obviously that match day um, tickets and stuff so um, a lot of what now where the uh, what happened with the transfer um, strategy was that they started actually looking into lower leagues into into the non-league setup as well so I'm not sure if um, a lot of that has maybe now influenced why we're seeing a lot more talent now because um, that is where a lot of players that are released from top clubs sometimes find themselves or sometimes it's just players that have never played at that level but are um, really good and have a, maybe a different edge to them as well because of um, that lack of academy football, which for some players is really good, depending on their profile. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, I can understand that well as well. In fact, it may probably be better for teams like Hull, exactly, like QPR, um, who are a little bit, you know, short in the cash. I think COVID has obviously given them an opportunity to actually, you know, instead of going out and looking at, you know, a bargain signing, that extra couple of million, that extra couple of thousands of pounds they've lost, obviously fan um, ticket in sales and stuff like that they've probably been forced to have a look at the academy and say you know what instead of going to sign this footballer for x amount of signing on fee and wages we're just going to promote from the youth and i think that's kind of helped out um teams as well the player that you mentioned jeff um the reason why i remember why he got given an opportunity is because again derby were cash straps had to sell half their team and then they're like yeah you know what, we don't even have a full 11 to dish out in match day one. What's going on? So they were forced to look in deep, delve, 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 sorry, delve deep inside their youth team and start, you know, promoting one of their, some of their more exciting talents. So COVID, whilst having a lot of negative effects, it had a lot of positive effects, I think, for youth graduates, especially in divisions below. Um, it's given them opportunities to, to actually stake a claim due to clubs being cashed out. So... Whilst I'm not thankful that COVID has happened, it's been a massive inconvenience for everybody. Um, for some of these careers, it's probably been the next best thing. We've also seen it with Chris Palace as well and Tariq Mitchell. Um, maybe it wasn't COVID, maybe he was just destined to be next up. 
I believe Crystal Palace just said, you know what, so they're spending extra two, three million pounds on a replacement for a left back. Let's just bring Mitchell up and see what he does. And you know what, he's taking his opportunity by storm. So, you know what, you mentioning Crystal Palace has just made me realize um, that they tie, very, they tie very well into our whole episode here because I don't know if you realize, but um, even with the players they're linked with, so um, I'm so sorry, I forgot the Derby player's name, the left winger, the really good one. The, left, uh, the right winger but um, even with, way. yeah even players are linked with like him um, and then and you can see with their summer recruitment as well has really been um, like has really revolved around like looking into the championship and bringing up talent from there so obviously they did it with Eze they did it again with Elise and it's like okay this is something that's consistently working they, they got Gurhi as well he was playing in, obviously he um, was Santa Chelsea but he was playing in the uh, Swansea um, the, the year before and that was his first um, year of, of senior football um, so it seems like there's like a like a repeat um, or like a, of a or definitely signs of a, of a strategy there where that clearly works it's like okay cool they've identified this before a lot of other clubs so um, yeah it's, it's it's clearly maybe a sign that yeah, the, the championship has definitely um, risen up in terms of levels um, whereas beforehand it was here and there, you get players that will do well. Um, maybe any player that would do well from like a relegated side would then maybe get a, a, a move up to another club um, in, at the Premier League if they get relegated again. But yeah, no, there just seems to be a lot of players where it's like, oh, right, there's actually that plethora of um, people that could really step up at to and a lot of clubs rather than just yeah, just uh, people that do well for the um, promoted clubs. And with every footballer that comes up. From the championship, it does well. There's always a football that comes up and doesn't do as well. Of course, of course. The Palace, Nathan Ferguson, unfortunately, he's not wiped out very well there. I know it's been a series of injuries as well, but um, yeah, it's a shame, really. We also had Joe Roden at Tottenham, who came up, has not really claimed a stake for himself. Um, that's not going well either. Um, at the top of my head, Chet, the jury's still out for Chad Adams. I don't know. He's just not very convincing, is he? But, yeah, yeah he's, not, he's not. It's a gamble, it's a complete lottery. But what we have seen evidently for these last couple of years is that the odds are now in favour because there's a lot more going right. Than going right. Mm, 100%. Yeah, that, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, we're very happy to see strides happening in England in terms of, you know, the younger, younger generation coming up, uh, giving more opportunities in the lower leagues. We're very big advocates, of course, of up-and-coming talents because, you know, we're not the type of you know, fans that are always looking over the shoulder, but it's really nice to see lads come up and take and claim, uh, take their claim, take their claim, sorry, and get out there. You know, all three of us aspired to be them. So it's nice to see footballers deserving of their opportunity. Uh, and of course, we're from the era where youth talent wasn't really um, prioritised unless they were special. So it's nice that football is taking a complete turn in regards to how they see things. And we just want to see England do well, man. Like, Everybody here was happy in Euro, Euro 2020. I know Italy was painful, but we want a serious golden generation to come up, take England to the next level, you know, bring it home. So <laughs> that's our conversation. Uh, I, I never thought you'd say that on the pod, by the way. Cause... No, never, never. Me neither. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit embarrassed of myself, but in fact, listen, I'll do anything to, for a summer like 26, sorry, 2018 and 20. 20 again so they were just good vibes man so no 100% yeah. you no, we, we really had fun on that day on the final man it really could have I feel like the summer 
I, I had I had a good summer, but summer could have been completely different if England won, man. Uh, oh, completely different, yeah, man. But uh, we'll talk. About, that'll be another episode, I'm sure. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm try for a third time. So, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys at home think? Um, is the championship got better or has it got worse? Was we talking rubbish? Let us know. Uh, comment below, of course. Let us know on Twitter as well. At us, like I said, it's Ballers Corner without the E and Ballers. That's E A L R S Corner. Let us know that anything that we said today was a little bit weird. A little bit wrong, correct us. We're all up for discussions, everything. Let us know what you want to talk about next as well. Um, we have some good things planned up as well. Another special guest coming. I know they're 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 your favorites. They always get the good ones, they get the likes and stuff, don't they? So we're gonna keep that wrapped. Um, and uh, as soon as that gets you know near completion, we might start teasing again. Uh, but for the rest of tonight, um, I've been your host, my name is Tony, and I've been joined by Jeff and F. Oh, I missed up. It's F and Jeff. I was waiting for you to. <laughs> that needs to become a hashtag, F and Jeff. That needs to become a, a thing, man. No, no, no. No, not at all. And yeah, man. And just before we go, um, our special tagline we've heard it already in this episode, but we always have to close with it. Progression in football is not linear. Write it down to it, put it on your wall, scream it out to the nation, rub it in your get your little rice grains and spell it out on your table. You need to remember on a sticker on your car. Exactly. Everything. Make it your number plate. Progression in football (laughs) is not linear. We out. Step and flesh with man, when we pull up these bodies they be laughing again, when we pull up